Hey, welcome to the Medical Mama Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on this journey with me. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi, and welcome to today's episode, Being a Friend to Medical Families. And before all of you families of the medically complex children turn off, I just want you to know that this episode is for you as well. So for all the families of medically complex children, this is for you because I want you to learn how to teach your friends how to be a better friend. Or you can just send them to the podcast if that seems overwhelming. And you can just send them a link and just say, I don't know how to tell you how to be a better friend. Just listen to this. And if you are a friend of a medically complex family, I hope you stick around and listen and get some good tips on how you can be a better friend. I know sometimes it can be super overwhelming and you're not sure what to do. Um, Parents, it is really easy for us to get overwhelmed and not know um, how to answer the question, how can I help? And I know this comes up a lot and you guys want to help us and you want to be great friends. So I'm sure that's why you're listening. So I hope that this can be an aid for you to answer these questions or to help us answer these questions. And friends, I know our lives can seem overwhelming and you want to be great friends, but it seems like there's no direction. And we are just kind of like, we don't know how to tell you what we need sometimes. And I hope that we can, I can give you some very practical ways that you can help us today. And families, I hope that this gives you some practical answers to the how can I help question that we get a lot, which is good. We hope our friends are willing to help, of course. So some easy kind of low commitment uh, ways you can help, especially if this is more of an acquaintance or you know a neighbor, a coworker, or maybe you just really don't have a lot to give right now, and that's okay. Um, you can always, of course, pray for us, those good feelings, you know, whatever it is that, that you do. Um, Just really praying for us and our kids is always very helpful. And of course, just sending us a quick text telling us that you are praying for us so that you are thinking about us. And when you send us, you know, those nice, sweet texts, uh, try to not have a bunch of questions in them. Uh, And of course, not guilt trips, you know, things like, Oh, I haven't seen you at the last three PTA meetings or, oh, you haven't been at the women's group in six months, you know, things like that. And, and just be really careful that, you know, even if you, your intention is, oh, I haven't seen you and I'm concerned or I, I, you know, miss you, like just be really cautious that it doesn't come across as, you know, like a guilt trip, like oh, you haven't been coming to my, our thing that we go to together, you know. And I think just be careful that your expectations are really low. 
our lives are often running from one emergency to another. So answering a text is often super overwhelming. So I think just, you know, we, you know, we will read it usually. Uh, it may even take a whole day, but know that we feel the love, we feel the encouragement, but we don't always have time to respond or we may respond a week later and, and it's not personal. It's not because you are not a friend or you're not someone that we value. It's just oftentimes, you know, our life is one big emergency after emergency or, you know, big doctor's appointment and doctor's appointment and therapy appointment and therapy appointment. And so our lives can get pretty overwhelming. Another tip is if you do happen to see us out and about, uh, just say hi, you know, and um, definitely say hi to our kids. Even if you think or you even know that our children uh, don't communicate or are nonverbal or maybe do have cognitive delays and you think they might not understand, it's always encouraging uh, for you to say hi to our kids, engage with them in any way that they can. Um, some you know, of our kids, you know, won't be able to respond at all. Some will have a full-on conversation. You know, some of our kids may be very shy or some of our kids may have trouble communicating or may feel like, you know, very stuck in wanting to communicate about just one topic. So I think just really trying to meet them where they are and just, you know, trying to say hi to us and our kids. And also, if you have children, teaching your kids to always say hi to our kids and just teaching them the expectations that, you know, our kids may not always be able to respond the way that they're used to or the way that they're always expected to perhaps and and that's okay and uh, and even teaching them that questions are okay it's okay to ask us you know the parents especially questions we're totally okay with that especially if they're asked in a respectful way please don't you know hush your kids or or hurry them away and we love honest questions like, what's that? Or, you know, it's way better to just let them ask and let, let them, you know, find out what things are than to have our kids be shunned or to feel lonely and not have any interaction. And of course, basic kindness always goes a long way you know, a smile, a wave, you know, we can't, we can't always stop, you can't always stop, but, you know. Also, when our kids are hospitalized or have procedures, which of course in our situations are going to happen and probably going to happen more frequently than you're probably used to, something that is a very easy thing to do and can be very meaningful is just to send a card. Most hospitals 
You can even go onto the hospital website and fill out a brief form. It's basically like an email. It's kind of like those old e-cards and you can send the child that's hospitalized this little card. You can pick a little image and it's usually something sweet or funny or you know something cute and you can write your own little message and you can write who it's from. You can even you could write it from yourself, from your family, from your child, if your child is a friend of the child, and then the hospital will print them out and take them to the child's room. And I know for us, our son loves those cards. It was always a highlight when you know the nurse would come in with a little stack of cards and we'd hang them up all around his room and he would just look at them especially if it was one of those hospitalizations where he really needed to stay in bed like he needed to rest or he just needed to stay because he was attached to a lot of things and he would just look at the cards and it would just bring such a smile to his face and and he would you know, re ask us to remind him, like, who's that one from? Who's that one from? Can you read that one to me again? And it would just really brighten his day. And if you know the family a little better, and if you can, sending something, of course, asking the parents if it's okay and knowing what is okay for hospital rules and what the kid likes and um, what is okay, of course, with the parents or with hospital rules or anything that might be not okay with health, you know, with their health. I know when my son was in the ICU, they didn't allow flowers, and I know some places don't allow food, so things like A balloon. My son always loved balloons. Those were great and maybe little coloring books or activity books, comfort items. It's, you know, little things like that. Just be mindful of the child's abilities. Be mindful of their interests. You don't want to bring something that they can't do or that they're going to just be, you know, saddened by. And, you know, if in doubt, always ask the parents. And then again, if this is a family you know well or, or pretty good, you know, depending on the relationship, even maybe stopping by for a visit, especially I know our son loved visits from like classmates and, and good friends. And sometimes they would bring an activity to do together or sometimes there would be an activity at the hospital and the kids would join in and it would be so much fun and it would really bring a sense of normalcy to the hospitalization and obviously these were times he was not hospitalized for anything contagious <laughs> and uh, it would just be a lot of fun and it would just help him just to feel like a kid you know and just not like a kid with medical needs and of course, this is, you know, again, very dependent on your relationship with the family and something you want to ask about and you don't want to wear the kid out. And a lot of times if they're recovering from surgery, it can be 
really exhausting and they'll need to sleep a lot. And so of course, we've mostly had positive experiences with visits, but unfortunately one time, so my son, as I've mentioned, uh, we had in-home nursing and one of the times he was hospitalized, one of our in-home nurses decided to visit and was hoping to nurse me particularly close with. So I was a little surprised and he and his wife came and I was like, oh, hi, that's awkward. And we didn't know they were coming and, and uh, it turned into he was just there to preach his religious beliefs on us. My husband and I handled it in different ways. <laughs> I felt very angry and I just, I chose to focus on my son. I knew that uh, if I gave him any attention that I was not going to probably be a very good Christian. <laughs> And I probably wasn't going to be very kind. And my husband decided to really have, you know, a good conversation with him and, and tried to help him. And, you know, like, this isn't uh, appropriate. This isn't a good thing to do. And unfortunately, the guy didn't really listen. And he uh, was just really stuck in his beliefs and his understanding that this was an appropriate thing to do and so that was a not a good thing to do if you uh if your sole purpose for visiting is to you know try to preach to someone or convince someone of something that's it's just not the time to visit someone you should really go just to comfort or encourage or you know try to help the families. So yeah, that was not a great time. Uh, another thing you can do is to offer to bring by some takeout. Uh, you could offer to send a gift card and a lot of times you can do that electronically. You can uh, offer some gas, a gas card, not some gas, but a gas card or something like that. I know some families travel quite a ways to go to the hospital and they often going back and forth and uh, it can be pretty taxing. But I know with the hospital food, some hospitals have pretty good food, some not so great, and it can be pretty expensive uh, having to you know, always eat at the hospital and having someone offer, you know, especially a favorite takeout place. When our son was in the NICU, a good friend, one of, actually one of my husband's best friends, he, he's a single guy, he doesn't have kids, you know, he didn't really know what he could do to help. And he was just like, hey, can I bring you some Chipotle? And uh, it was was just one of the sweetest kindest things and I still remember that because I know he didn't know what to do and he didn't have a lot I think he felt like he could offer but that was something he could do and it was so encouraging and you know it's it's emotionally and physically taxing having your kid in the hospital but just to have someone 
do something so simple as pick up some Chipotle and bring it uh, really meant a lot. And it was nice just to even take a little break to sit down and eat it. And uh, little things like that can really be very meaningful. Some other things that you can do if this is someone that you consider a friend and you want to be more involved and you want to do more is, I'd say, really asking how they're doing, really like sitting down with them and empathizing and listening, like listen to hear what they have to say, listen to hear what's really going on and listen not to fix you know, like really resist that urge to fix or to give the bright side or to uh, tell, you know, about the latest cure or the latest, you know, thing you saw on Facebook. Um, just be careful to, you know, oh, I, I read this, I heard this, you know, because it can be pretty exhausting. Most of us see many specialists and many different therapists and, and many, many experts in the field. And we've heard and seen many things. And so it can be exhausting to hear about, you know, something that we've already tried or something that we already know is, is not going to work. Uh, so resist the urge to try to make us feel better, uh, to try to, you know, like, oh, oh, you know, hey, listen to this really funny thing I heard, or, you know, to try to cheer us up and, and just hear us, <laughs> just hear what's going on and, and just listen. And then don't pity us. <laughs> don't, uh, you know, don't, oh my gosh, that's so horrible, <laughs> you know, or, or just like, oh my gosh, I, I could never, you know, be in your shoes. I could never do what you do. Because in the reality is, I'm sure if you're a parent, you would. You would do what we're doing. And then on the opposite end, don't make us into these, like, amazing superheroes. Don't be like, oh my gosh, you are the most amazing person in the world. And what you do is superhuman because it's not it's just we are being a parent to our child and so I think the biggest thing I want you to <laughs> hear from this is we need you to just hear us and just to share our concern for our child but at the same time don't belittle our concerns like even if something sounds like well that's like very normal like don't say oh my kid does that too that's that's normal or say you know normal kids do that too because we don't live in this sphere of normal so like for instance with us our son's biggest concern is is his lungs so a little cough just a <coughs> For most people, most families probably don't think anything of it when their kid does that. 
if you're in ever in the room with us, you'll see both my husband and I's ears perk up, our eyes. We both make sure we find our son and we look because a little cough means something. We have to be on alert. And so just know that little things that seem normal to you are oftentimes a sign of something bigger or a sign of something, maybe a sign of a sickness or maybe a sign of their disease progressing or maybe a sign of something's not right for us. So just know that what seems normal is likely not normal for us. So if you're the type of person that's not good at empathy, which I think most of us are not naturally great at empathy. I know that there are many, many very good podcasts, YouTube videos, TED Talks, books, etc. about empathy. And I'll try to find some of those and post those on my Instagram page. And I'll try to find some of my favorites and make sure I share those because I think that's one of the things that would be very helpful is to just be really good at empathy and just to be able to empathize. And I did listen to a podcast and part of it was about empathy. And one of the things he was talking about was just being able to sit with someone and sit with them in their pain or in whatever it is they're going through and I thought that just really stuck with me just sitting with someone with wherever they are and another thing you can do (laughs) and I think this can get emotionally exhausting on both sides but continue inviting us to things even if you know we're not going to come we don't want to be forgotten. I know that's a big one for me. Especially that first year that my son was home from the NICU. It was probably the hardest year of my life. I felt very lonely and very alone. I was home with him because we had to really be locked down, which I think now many people understand that feeling. And we had to pretty much only go to doctor's appointments. And we did have some in-home nursing, but they're there to take care of him, not to be my friend. And I think most of our friends, they were trying to give us space and trying to give us room to adjust and so in doing that though I think I just felt very lonely and very alone and my error certainly was that I never said help I feel lonely I feel so alone and I just felt so overwhelmed suddenly here I was at home without the support of this NICU with doctors and nurses and respiratory therapists and people 
there 24-7 and machines and so many things to tell us if something was wrong and people, you know, at the push of a button if something was wrong. And I felt like he's his life is in my hands. And my husband, of course, was back at work in the office because we weren't in a pandemic. And most of the time I was at home by myself with this very, very fragile child. And I was like, if I make a mistake, then it's literally life or death. And I was tired. I was exhausted. I was emotionally exhausted. I was physically exhausted and very lonely. And so I think just remember that there are probably many people that feel the same way. And I think had my friends continued inviting me to things, I think I would have at least felt like I was still a part of my friend group and that I wasn't on the outskirts or, you know, no longer a part of the group. And I don't, again, I don't blame anyone. I don't feel like it was anyone's fault. And I definitely feel like their intention was to give me space and to give me time to adjust and but again now i hindsight is 2020 of course uh so just a little lesson from my time of course and again another thing that is super helpful something i always like to do for friends that are going through a hard time or friends that you know bring home a new baby healthy or not is to make a meal <laughs> and i'm I, I've, I've learned that about myself, that that's how I help people, how I take care of people, is I feed people. But I know that that's always helpful for me, too. And it's such a, it's a simple thing to do for most people. I know not for everyone. But just make a meal. And when you do that, just make sure that you understand all of the dietary restrictions because that is so meaningful and so encouraging and to do that, to make sure that you know and understand the dietary restrictions and that you're not intimidated by them. And it's easy if you're in a family with dietary restrictions just to say, oh, never mind, I'll make something for the person with dietary restrictions in our family that happens to be me and it's easy for me certainly to say oh I'll just I'll just eat something that I have at home you can bring a meal whatever you make first everyone else you know but it means so much more if someone's like no what all are you allergic to what can't you eat I want to make a meal that you can eat and it's it means so much more so I encourage you strongly to do that. Another thing I encourage people to do is to offer to help in specific ways. And why, of course, you know, genuinely saying, let me know how I can help or let me know if I can do anything 
can be encouraging. Sometimes it can come across kind of offhanded, like, oh, let me know if I can do anything. You know, even if you that's not your intention, it can kind of come across like, oh, they're just saying that to be nice. And, and I know oftentimes for people like myself, if you just throw out a, let me know how I can help, I probably am never going to say anything. And I definitely, many people are probably like that. And I will say, be annoying is what I would definitely say. Offer specific help and then be persistent is probably a better way. Instead of being annoying, be persistent. Like offer a lot. Like maybe say, hey, can I help you with running errands or I mean you know what you're good at you know what you like to do like don't I mean like I would never offer to help someone with car repairs for instance because that is certainly not my skill set and so like those are the things you know you can offer to do and then make sure you follow through like if someone's like oh yeah, I I might need some help with that sometime next week. Then you text them or call them next week and say, what day can I come over and help you with that? Because, like, it's easy if you're the person being helped to not be the person to say, hey, remember how you said you were going to help me? <laughs> so if you're the one offering the help, make sure you follow through. And, like, don't let them easily back out of it. Say, oh, no, that's okay. Because it is very easy to either just be overwhelmed or just, oh, my gosh, you know, people are, you know, doing too much for me. Like, there's so many ways that it's easy to feel like, oh, I'm so needy, you know. But just don't let them back out. So some specific ways, I made a little list here, some specific ways that you can offer to help. Housework, home repairs, clean or repair a vehicle, yard work, run errands, make phone calls, uh, pick up grocery orders, tutoring or babysitting other children in the home. Uh, so anything like that, anything you can think of that would be a task that might get dropped if you're sick or hurt. So just think of anything like, man, if I got sick or if I got hurt, what kind of tasks would get dropped and just offer those kind of things, especially if it's something you enjoy or you're naturally good at, just think about those things. And then lastly, this is like the golden egg. <laughs> this is like the hallelujah chorus singing. This would be like the holy grail. But if you really want, and I'm not saying anyone that doesn't do this is not a good friend, but this would be like the holy grail, is if you learned how to take care of our child. Even if it's just for like an hour in our home while we're home so we can take a shower, 
take a nap, work on our podcast. That wasn't a hint, I promise. Uh, you know, just get stuff done around the house. Even better, you know, if we can actually, you know, work up to being able to leave the house to run some errands. I don't know, maybe even go on a date, go get coffee with a friend. I don't know, go get pampered. I hear people do that. And then be like uber duper schmooper. Holy grail of holy grails is like overnight. I know I felt like I had to whisper that. Like that is like the real hallelujah chorus of hallelujah choruses singing. And we have had amazing friends that took Z super Z for the weekend. And that was amazing. And it was, they are super heroes. Because <laughs> they have no medical training. They are not medical professionals. So they had to learn like everything from scratch. And they did amazing. And of course, they have teenage boys so Super Z was super excited because he thought he was so cool. He has two big brothers now that he has decided. And they are a family that's very close to our hearts. They are family. And so they are a super great family. But it's just so amazing to have people that are like that, that are willing to learn to care for your child, especially when they don't have a medical background. But that is, that is all I have. If you have some other things, I love to hear it. If you want to shoot me an email, melissathemedicalmama at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you're a friend of a family that has medical needs and you're like, how do I help them? And you didn't talk about it in the podcast. Then please shoot me an email, melissathemedicalmama at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram. Shoot me a message there. It is melissathemedicalmama, of course. That's my Instagram. Definitely want to share some more information on there. I'll try to come up with some more things and share those on Instagram. So thank you so much for listening. And that's our episode for today. Well, that concludes another episode of the Medical Mama podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and follow me on Instagram, Melissa, the Medical Mama. Thank you again for joining me on this journey.